You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. We're going to come around the Word of God this morning, and this is, I believe, an incredible story, and it's of the book of Ruth. And it's the story of Ruth and Naomi. And these are uh, incredible events that happen through these tiny book, four chapters. But the events that are happening, you have to start to wonder, are they a coincidence or maybe not? Because for the lives of Naomi, Ruth and Boaz, we see how God is involved in the day-to-day joys and the hardships of our lives. And the book of Ruth, it's an incredible story of God's providence. And you might be asking, well, what does providence mean? Providence means God is aware of what is happening in all of our lives. At any moment of the day, God is aware of what is happening in your life. He is invested in how things go for us. By His Spirit, He is able to steer us, to move us, to clarify things for us and motivate us to make decisions on careers, on our marriage, partner, any number of things God can be involved in our lives. And God's providence is at work behind every scene of this story, weaving together the the circumstances and choices of all of these three characters. And for Naomi, her tragedy leads her to think that God is punishing her, but actually the whole story is about God's mission to restore her and her family. And he's doing so through her daughter-in-law, Naomi, and through Ruth, sorry. And through her boldness, through Ruth's loyalty, it brings healing to Naomi's life. But not without Boaz. Boaz is the no-nonsense farmer who is full of generosity and loyalty. And so God uses his integrity combined with Ruth's boldness to save Naomi and her whole entire family. And so this story brilliantly explores the interplay of God's purposes and with will, with human decision and will. And God weaves together the faithful obedience of His people to bring about His redemptive purposes in the world. And that leads to the real end of the story. The book of Ruth concludes with the marriage of Ruth and Boaz. They then have a son called Ovid, who was the grandfather of King David, who from who from came the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. And all of a sudden, these seemingly mundane, ordinary events in the story are woven into God's grand story of redemption for the entire world. And so the book of Ruth invites us to consider how God might be at work in the very ordinary, mundane details of our lives as well. And that is what the book of Ruth is all about. How God is involved in the day-to-day joys and hardships of our lives. And what we think are coincidences, maybe they are, but maybe they're not. So this was an amazing outcome. Marriage, 
restoration, a child in the lineage of Jesus. But for this story in the book of Ruth, where did it all start? Can we turn to the screen? The book of Ruth, it's a brilliant work of theological art and it invites us to reflect on the question of how God is involved in the day-to-day joys and hardships of our lives. There are three main characters in the book, Naomi the widow, Ruth the Moabite, and Boaz the Israelite farmer. And their story is told in four chapters that are beautifully designed. Let's just dive in and see how this all unfolds. Chapter 1 opens with this line, in the days when the judges ruled. And it reminds us of the very dark and difficult days from the book of Judges. And here we meet an Israelite family in Bethlehem, struggling to survive through a famine. And so in search of food, they move on to the land of Moab, Israel's ancient enemy. And there the father of the family dies, and the sons marry two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And then the sons, they die too. And so they leave only Naomi and these new daughters-in-law. And so Naomi, she has no reason to stay anymore. And so she tells her new daughters-in-law that she's moving back home. And Naomi, she knows that the life of an unmarried foreign widow in Israel is going to be very hard. And so she compels the women to stay behind. Orpah agrees. But Ruth does not. She shows remarkable loyalty to Naomi. And she says, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people will become my people and your God will become my God. And so the two of them return to Israel together. And the chapter concludes with Naomi changing her name to Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew. And she laments her tragic fate. You know, there's three observations that I really want to make through this story of the book of Ruth. And firstly, in this story, it's we find a famine. They're they're leaving Israel because there's a famine. But what I really discovered in famine, that there is opportunity. And secondly, the, the second observation I made is that it is so weaved with relationships but in the relationships, in the tension, in the grief and the loss that they experience, what we discover is God's grace in relationships. And lastly, the the observation that I made from this story is that their thinking gets a complete overhaul. So many times their, their thinking or situations, circumstances takes their thinking and minds hostage. But what we see God do is intervene in their thinking and change the way they feel. So this morning, firstly, can we look at this observation? And I started to really delve into what does it mean to be in a famine? What is a famine? And there was famine in the land, but with famine... I mean, believe it or not, becomes opportunity because famine is a single of change and a chance for a new beginning. And we need to ask, what causes famine? And there are multiple factors, including conflict conflict and climate, because a famine is not a natural disaster, but a result of human actions or lack of action to prevent it. In 1944, in the Minnesota Starvation Experiment, they did a year-long study on the, the psychological and the physiological effect of starvation. And the 44 participants quoted, they quoted this statement, hunger 
is debilitating and tragic, all the more so when human affairs create it. In the Bible, we see a three-year famine and it prompts David to ask God. In 2 Samuel 21.1, it says, Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And so David decided to inquire of the Lord. He decided to ask God, what is happening? We're now in three years of famine. Do you have an answer, God? And the Lord answered David and he said, it is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gibeonites. You see, Saul broke a promise to God to not harm them. And as a result, human actions caused the famine that they were now in. You see, David didn't see a spiritual reason for for every problem, but he did not shut his eyes to the hand of God in the circumstances. You see, famine was both an ending, the result of disobedience and sin, but it was also a beginning, a potential turning point towards a better, more faithful future. And the opposite of famine, as we know, is harvest. And for David, this was true. He went to the Gibeonites and said, what shall I do for you? What can I do for you to turn this around? And eventually, because of David inquiring of the Lord, finding the answer, going to the Gibeonites and asking what can be done, restoration came to the land and turned everything around. And it says in verse 10, the coming of rain showed that the famine was over, that justice was satisfied and that Israel was delivered. And we need to ask, are there different types of famines? Is it just food that that's a famine? And the answer is no, there are many types of famine. And the one being an emotional famine. Emotional starvation occurs when maybe a couple has allowed circumstances to bind them so tightly into responsibility roles of parenting that no time is available for intimate communication. The couple is always in parent mode. And it's not just emotional famines, there's spiritual famines In the Bible, Amos brought this understanding into sharp focus through his prediction of a spiritual famine. He said, it's not going to be a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. You know, I can't imagine what it would be if I couldn't hear the word of the Lord in my daily life today. So for Naomi and her family, in the famine, as a family, They move Israel and they go to the land of Moab. But as time goes by and events happen, Naomi not only comes out of a food famine, she enters an emotional and a spiritual famine. And it wasn't just geographical anymore. It was a shift in Naomi's heart and in her mind that caused this famine. And the question for all of us is, in famine, what do we move to? In famine, what direction do we go? Do we go towards a direction where we're in a place of starvation or is this an opportunity, a chance for a new beginning? 
If I'm experiencing a famine in my mind and I feel like I'm in a starvation mode and I don't have peace, let me tell you, I'm not going to stay in the same place starving when I know that God has peace for my life. If I have the opportunity to receive peace, I'm going to take it. Psalm 37, 19 says these incredible words. And in the days of famine, God says, they will have abundance. The abundance of God is your new beginning. It's your opportunity. And what is the abundance? It's God's words. It's God's words to you that create the abundance in your life. And Jeremiah 15 16 says these words. He said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. The abundance of God is the Word of God and we need to eat the bread of life. That is the Word of God to digest His words to us, to digest and receive His ways in our life. This is what leads to the Lord's abundance in our life. So for Naomi, how did famine signal the change and give her a chance for a new beginning? In Ruth 1, it says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of His people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Naomi heard that the Lord was providing, so she received and ingested those words and she responded. She received the truth. She received God's life that He was making provisions. And so she took action and she responded towards God. And her response put her life on a trajectory filled with opportunity, change and a chance for a new beginning. John 6, 26 says this, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never, ever thirst. And today, could there be an area in your life where conflict, maybe actions of another has caused famine to come into an area of your life? Because I believe this morning that there is an opportunity to come to God just like David went to God and ask Him, God, why is this famining happening? Why? What is the cause of this famine? And I believe that God will answer to you and He will speak to you and you will hear the Word of the Lord and it will cause you to respond in your heart and may God's abundance Rain on your life. Fill it with new opportunities for a change and a chance for a new beginning. You know, the second observation that I made in the book of Ruth was the observation of the relationships between all three of them, Naomi, Ruth and Boaz. And there was such incredibly difficult circumstances and obstacles that came into their life, yet we see that grace made a way. Even in the face of the most challenging circumstances, these women stand by each other's side. Naomi, Ruth and Orpah, they they come to this crossroad as they're about to leave Moab and return to Israel. And it's a catalyst moment for all three of them. And on the road that would take them back, Naomi tells them, 
you can't come with me. Go back. Because Naomi knows the life of an unmarried foreign widow in Israel will be so hard. And she does not want that for her daughter-in-laws. So she compels the women to stay behind. And Orpah agrees and returns, but Ruth does not. She shows remarkable loyalty to Naomi and she says, wherever you go, I am going to go. Your people shall become my people and your God will be my God. And so the two of them together return to Israel. Now, sometimes it's necessary to let go of our guard and embrace the grace of God. Ruth was God's grace to Naomi. Ruth's name means compassionate friend. She was empathetic. She was caring. She was understanding. She was loyal. And for all of us, there are catalyst moments when God wants to usher His grace into our season so that we get to uncover the full extent of His strength, His capacity and His authority to bring change into our lives. So Naomi had to accept the help offered, even though her first inclination was to say no. But she had to drop her defence to receive the grace, whether comfortable or not. You see, Ruth identified Naomi as a mother, not because of blood or birth, but by choice. Nothing was holding her, not Judy, not even her homeland. However, she was embracing God's purpose and God was holding them together. And for both of them, it all came down to a series of choices that may look like coincidences, but were the very purpose of God leading them to unimaginable change and opportunity. They both modelled women who challenged and championed each other in difficult circumstances. And for us today, challenging our positions, challenging our opinions and our perspectives is vital. And supporting each other through challenging situations is crucial. And we need to invite each other into the challenge that we can support and celebrate each other's victories. You know, we see this in this story, in the life of Sarah, where she was afraid of germs. And we see in the life of Sarah that, we, that she had the support from her family, but also a specialist that, that confronts incredible challenges in her life. So Sarah described her agonising struggles with a debilitating germ phobia. For over 20 years, it held her hostage. And Sarah explained how she showered for an hour daily with elaborate cleaning rituals and she washed her hands repeatedly throughout the day. The skin on her hands was so chapped and painful, but she didn't even stop, even though it was hurting her. Because of her condition, Sarah also made demands on her family. For example, she asked her daughter to wash her hands anytime she touched something yucky. She never let her daughter sit on the floor at home, at school, at parties. And for Sarah, she tried to do all this secretly when no one was looking because she felt so ashamed. When asked if she needed help, Sarah said yes. She wanted to be freed from the anxiety and shame that had plagued her for so long. 
And the fact is, cleaning against germs is a positive action. She was doing something well, which is hard to see when it's taken over every area of your life. Sarah said the burden of carrying all the anxiety, the loneliness and shame far outweighed any real or imaginary danger from germs and contamination that she'd been struggling so hard to avoid. So what would need to take place? Well, she would need to confront what she feared the most, touching all kinds of contaminated surfaces. And that's exactly what Sarah did. Over the course of what started with overwhelming anxiety as she first touched that toilet by the end was minimal. Change had occurred. And as time went on, Sarah wrote this letter to those who had supported her. And she said these words, I would like to share the profound change that this healing has had on my life. I have continued to keep my hands contaminated for days now, all day long, and only wash them after using the washroom. What is even more amazing is that I had a smile on my face and giggled every time I touched something gross and yucky. What a joy. And if that is not enough proof of powerful healing, touching services at home proved to my daughter and my husband that I had been healed. And after they made a comment about my happy mood and being healed from my germs. Thank you for the unconditional support and for challenging my perceptions. I am no longer held hostage. I am free. Very difficult circumstances, yet grace made a way. Grace is not based on what you can do alone. Grace is His ability, His power to accomplish only what God can do. So Sarah had to drop her defence and receive God's grace of help, whether comfortable or not. And her choice led to complete healing, a total change in her thinking, not just for her, but for her whole family. And thirdly, the last observation. It's just in the relationships, there's just this incredible renewal of mind that takes place. And I believe to truly understand God's purpose on our lives, we need to disrupt our thinking at times. So often our mind takes our thoughts hostage, but we need to be on the front foot disrupting our thinking. And for Ruth 1, it says this in verse 19, when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them and the women explained, can this be Naomi? I mean, 10 years has passed and they're trying to think, is this Naomi like we remember? And she said, don't call me Naomi. I can just imagine this moment. She said, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And don't get me wrong. She had had chaos in her life and much grief and much loss in her life. But you know, what I want to say about Naomi is that we can see this as such negative talk and there's parts of it that are in there, but there's some things that Naomi does really well. 
And what she does well is that she is honest. She's saying this in front of a whole crowd of people. She's not being hyper-spiritual. She's being real and authentic in that moment. Another thing that I noticed that she's doing well is that she hasn't isolated herself. She's in a crowd. There are hundreds of people around her. She's not hiding, but she's talking about how she feels. And her discouragement, it shows that she was facing the truth. And for someone who believes God has afflicted her and brought misfortune to her, what she's done so well again is that she's followed His Word and come back to Israel where she has heard that the Lord has come to the aid of His people by providing food for them. Naomi still believes that she is God's people and her bitterness is actually what's motivated her. It showed that she has higher thoughts of God and what He could do, even though she wasn't seeing it and even though she wasn't experiencing it. You see, Naomi means pleasant. It means beautiful. And Mara means bitter. And bitter refers to the intensity of suffering of mind and body. And Naomi said, call me Mara. But we need to understand as soon as Naomi said those words, call me Mara, this was a choice she was taking into her own hands to identify herself. And the truth is it was based on a wrong view and concept of God. And see, we're called to identify the feelings and emotions in us, but we are not called for those thoughts to become our identity. And God's plan for Naomi It's one of restoration for her and her family. And here we see God's providence. God is aware of what is happening in her life. This morning, He is aware of what is happening in your life. He is invested in how things go for us. And by His Spirit, by His power, He is going to steer our hearts, move the way that we think, clarify things for us and motivate us to make decisions that direct us to His purpose for our lives. So for Naomi, Ruth and Boaz, God moves and He leads them to all joy. Naomi and Ruth are now back in Bethlehem discussing how are they now going to find and source food. And it just so happens to be the beginning of the barley harvest. So Ruth goes out to look for food and it just so happens she ends up picking grain in the field of a man named Boaz who just so happens to be Naomi's relative. And Boaz is of noble character and notices Ruth and hearing her story. He shows remarkable generosity to her and makes special provisions for Ruth so that she can gather food. And Boaz is so impressed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi that he prays for her that God will reward her for her boldness. And so Ruth comes home that day and Naomi finds out she met Boaz and like any good romance story, she is thrilled. I love, no, I can't say that. Naomi said, Boaz is our family redeemer, meaning he will marry Ruth, the widow and protect the family's land. 
So Naomi begins to hope that perhaps there might still be hope for their future. God is disrupting her thinking. Isaiah 55, 8 says this, My thoughts, they're nothing like your thoughts, God says. And my ways are far beyond anything you could ask, dream or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do far more than we could ever ask for or imagine. He does everything by His power that is working in us. And God did not disappoint her. Boaz and Ruth marry. They give birth to a son, granting incredible joy to Naomi. I know what that joy of a baby feels like. I just have to be away from River for two days and already without that video that Tim sent me of him, I don't know where I would be. But there's an incredible love that we have when a baby arrives on the scene and Naomi is in this moment of absolute joy. Life was no longer bitter. It was pleasant. It was beautiful. And finally, at the end, we meet Naomi's neighbours again at the end of the store after Ruth and Boaz had been blessed with a child. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. She has a son. No one is calling her Mara. And Naomi didn't refute it. She didn't correct them because she had stopped believing the negative thoughts about herself. Her life is no longer bitter and empty, but it's filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You know, the book of Ruth, it's a story about God's providence. God is aware of what is happening in your life. God is involved in the day-to-day joys and the very hardships of our lives. And what you may think are the coincidences of God, He is in fact weaving together the circumstances and choices that are motivating us to make the right decisions that lead us to restoration and lead our families to joy. This morning, you might find yourself in this place and you might identify with famine, our first observation. You might find yourself in a place where there are areas that you just feel you are starving for God to bring a miracle into your life. But let me tell you, hope is not lost. Hope of Jesus is for all because famine is a signal of change. It is a chance for a new beginning. And like David, do you need to go to God and inquire of Him and say, God, why is this famine happening? How can you turn it around that I can come into a season of absolute rain and harvest where I can see starvation turn around and needs get met because you come in with a miracle. And maybe you're saying to me this morning, I can detect a famine in my life. Well, I'm gonna ask you and encourage you, can you go to God? Can you inquire of Him? Can you ask Him, what is the way out of this? Because famine is a signal of change and a chance for a new beginning. Secondly, the relationship. 
Maybe there are difficulty in your relationships, difficult circumstances. Let me encourage you this morning. Grace made a way for the life of Naomi, Ruth and Boaz. He is the same God yesterday, today and forevermore. What He has done for them, He will do for you. And if you are finding there is difficulties in your relationship, understand this today. Stand on this truth that grace will always make a way. And maybe you say, I think I need a compassionate friend. You know, these difficulties in my relationships, they're they're not going away. They're, They're here for a while. But God, I just wanna ask you today, could you bring a compassionate and loyal friend into my life to stand with me, to champion me on, to come into my hardships, but to celebrate my victories and my joys? God, can you bring a compassionate friend into my life? And lastly, does there need to be a renewal of your mind? Is there areas in your mind that have just been taken hostage with negativity and doubt because of grief and incredible loss in your life? You see, we're called to identify the feelings and emotions in us, but we are not called to identify as those things. And some of our thinking needs to be disrupted by the power of God. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are greater than my ways. God, You said that You will do more than I can ask, think, dream or imagine. Would You come in and disrupt my thoughts? I need Your truth. I need the Word of God. I need to think differently. Because if you wanna change the way you feel, you have to change the way you think. And God is in the restoration business of renewing our mind. Did you know that you have the mind of Christ? You have access to the mind of Christ. You have access to the way He thinks, His solutions, the way He makes decisions. We all have access to this. And it's available for every single one of us. Can you stand in this place as we pray this morning? Father God, I pray famine is a signal of change and a chance for a new beginning. So Father, just like David, we've detected that there is a famine And after one year, after two years, after three years, David realised this famine was not going away. And so he had to move out of that position of being in famine and he had to move to the position of standing in front of God and inquiring, God, why is this famine here? Do you have an answer? Because I believe that we have a God who hears us. We have a God who answers us. We have a God who fiercely loves us. And when we ask, He will answer. And I pray that you will go on a journey that leads you from famine, that leads you out of that mode of salvation and that He brings you with His truth and sets you free and stands you in a harvest. A harvest that is flowing with source. A harvest that is flowing with God's abundance into your life. It's teeming with His generosity and His healing. And at the end of famine, 
you come out completely restored. For some of us today, I pray God, in the areas of relationships where there can be such fraught with difficulty in our control and most of it out of our control. But Father God, You said grace makes a way. Grace is Your ability. Grace is Your might. And Father, it is Your power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that's living in us. No difficulty is too hard for You. It may be impossible with man, but with You, God, all things are possible to those who believe. And God, today we're saying we believe in You. So Father God, I pray, let grace make a way. Let your power make a way. Let your might make a way. What looks like a mount in front of us is just rubble on the ground to you, God, because you are a God of solution. You are a God of miracles. You are a God of answers. And you are our hope this morning. You are our hope, Lord God, this morning. So come in, we invite you into the difficulty of our relationships and we're gonna take the mercy. We're gonna accept your help. We're gonna receive your grace. And we're gonna walk that journey out of the difficulty into your glorious hope. May the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. And lastly, renew our minds. We have the mind of Christ. Father, I pray when those thoughts about ourselves, where we want to call ourselves Mara because there's such bitterness has come from overwhelming grief and loss. God, I pray, let us know how You have identified us. We are Your children. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood, Father God. And I just pray that in that renewing of our mind, Father, as we eat Your Word, as we receive Your Word, what You say about us, what You think about us, the plans and the purposes that You have over our life, as we digest those words, Father, it will start to bring energy. It will start to feel supply in our bodies again, where our minds are taken our hostage, Father. Your words will fill our lives. And instead of looking down, we're gonna start to look out. Where there was bitterness becomes beauty. Because God, You are the author. You are the finisher of our faith. And we pray this. In Jesus' Name, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Just, just stay standing for just a moment. We're about to close the service, but just with our heads bowed and eyes closed for a second. You know, every week we, uh, we give the opportunity for people to respond to Jesus, to start a relationship with God, to enter God's plan and destiny for your life. You know, in, in the Bible, the characters often represent the image of Jesus. You know, Boaz was the redeemer. He was the saviour of a family. It's a picture of God's heart to redeem and save. It's a picture of Jesus wanting to, to save you. He sees you and his heart is for you. That's why God sent Jesus to, to redeem us. 
In Romans 10 verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how we start a personal journey or relationship with God. And I, I just want to give people in this place, in the room and people who are joining us online, just that opportunity to, to respond to your own personal journey with Jesus. And it's as simple as this. I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to pray that prayer after me. So this morning, church, can you join me in praying this prayer? If this is for you today, praying this prayer for the first time or coming back into relationship with God, why don't you join us as well? Dear God, I thank you that you sent Jesus. You loved me so much that you sent my Redeemer, my Saviour. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you raised Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I surrender my heart to you. From this day on, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.